0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Head out to the SDCCU hotline. And uh, one of the the great broadcasters in the history of San Diego Padres baseball, nice enough to join me on opening day, Mr. Bob Chandler. Bob, how are we doing? Happy opening day.
0: Happy opening day to you. And uh, John, how come it's not a national holiday?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, uh, I think it's a national holiday here in San Diego. Everybody's so geeked up about Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis and uh, just uh, everything that's going on during the winter with all these youngsters.
0: Yeah, it is kind of fun, isn't it?
1: Uh, No question about it. Hey, Bob, before we get into breaking down this ball club and and get your thoughts, and I know you went out to spring training a couple of different times, I want to track back to when Bob Chandler made his – Opening day, a debut as a Padre broadcaster. What year, and uh, where were you at when you did it?
0: Uh, Well, it was uh, 1972, and actually there had been a a labor stoppage at the beginning of the season. Uh, And so uh, opening day uh, occurred sometime in the middle of of April, and a young right-hander named Clay Kirby Got his first uh, his first start. I think Eric Lauer is the youngest starter on opening day since Kirby.
1: That is correct. The
0: Padres win that day. They did. They beat the Atlanta Braves in uh, at San Diego Stadium, and Kirby got the win, which was uh, at that time was uh, a dream of his. They called him the kid because he was only like eighteen or nineteen when he started with the Padres.
1: Bob Chandler joining us on the SDCCU uh, fan hotline. Well, you went over to spring training a couple of times, and you and I have talked on the phone. You're pretty impressed with this young talent, aren't you?
0: You know, John, I've uh, I've been to every Padre spring training. I've seen the good teams, and I've seen uh, the bad teams as they were being formed. But in my my honest opinion, in terms of overall talent, this is the most talented group of players I've ever seen in a Padre spring training camp, and I I judge that in several ways. One one you know when they split their squad, so you have uh, one team playing one one area, one team maybe playing in Peoria, and both lineups for those games are pretty good, you know. And, and so you figure if you put them together, it's going to be a real good lineup. Uh, and I and when I say overall talent, I'm talking about some of the really young guys. They've got a 19-year-old kid named Hudson Potts. Boy, was I impressed with him. He was a shortstop, taken, I believe, in the second round a couple of years ago. He was like uh, Tatis. He was only 17 years old then. But I saw him hit a ball. I mean, it's 410 feet to dead center field in Peoria, and there's a 50-foot high batter's eye. And he hit a home run that cleared that batter's eye in dead center field I've only seen a few of those over the last 25 years in Peoria. The kid's only 19 years old.
1: You know, Bob, we were talking with Josh Stein here when the, uh, we let off the show, and you know, this is the first time in a long time where the Padres have actually had to make some really, really difficult decisions on not only who's going to start uh, uh, in the opening day lineup, uh, but the guys that are going to make the roster and the guys that are going to go down to AAA and. I've got to be honest, I know a lot of the arms that are going down to the minor leagues. I mean, they're well-stocked. If somebody were to go down, especially in the bullpen, they got four or five, six guys they could bring up.
0: I'm just waiting for that. that uh, this kid, I think he's a double-A this year, who throws. I, I saw him in an all-star game, an Arizona fall league all-star game. He threw up to 104 miles an hour.
1: Unbelievable. I mean, that's unbelievable. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, how Lauer responds today. I mean, you're going to have a packed house here at Petco Park. You're going against the Giants, Madison Bumgarner. I would imagine that young kid's going to have uh, – his nerves are going to be working pretty good early in this ball game.
0: You know, he wouldn't be human uh, if if he didn't have some nerves. And uh, I I saw him pitch a game over there in spring training where he pitched four almost perfect innings. The only reason it wasn't perfect – he threw a pitch that nicked the jersey of a hitter, so that was a hit batsman, but he then got the next out. You know, they, they were working on him in the backfields on his slider because he didn't he needed another pitch, and I, I think they kind of saved him, and then all of a sudden he pitched in this Cactus League game and was perfect for four innings, and you, you look at his overall numbers in the spring, I can see why they chose him to be the opening day pitcher. Based on the numbers, he's really been the most effective pitcher.
1: You know what will be interesting, I think, Bob, uh, and again, they've got uh, uh, a lot of young guys in this rotation, Lucchese, Paddock. Uh, you know, we'll uh, uh, see what direction they go with some of the other starters. Matt Strom, who's making the conversion from, you know, the bullpen to the starting rotation as well. I would imagine all these guys are going to be on some kind of innings limitation this year.
0: Yeah, they want to uh, they want to preserve their arms. I mean, a couple of them are coming off Tommy John surgeries, and and they're young. Matt Strom, who pitched in the bullpen last year and put up eye-popping numbers, really, in terms of number of hits he allowed and innings pitched and the number of strikeouts he had. But they always viewed him as a starter, and now he's getting his chance. You know, of the pitchers I saw in spring training, the two that have the most stuff, in my view, are Chris Paddock, the rookie right-hander, who's making his major league start, I believe, on Sunday, and then Matt Strom. Uh, the left-hander. Now we know about Joey Lucchese and Eric Lauer. They pitched last year. We've seen them. They're the most experienced starters and neither one of them has a full year of Major League experience. Now, if there was one disappointment, it was uh, near the end, one of the final exhibition games when uh, both uh, Logan Allen and Cal Quantrill pitched in the game and neither one of them was able to complete an inning. And I think they were both pitching for the to be the number five starter. So that was that was a little disappointing.
1: Bob Chandler joining us on the SDCCU uh, fan hotline. Coach John broadcasting uh, from J Street. So if you're out and about, uh, stop on by. You're coming out to the ballpark today.
0: For sure. I mean, I, have, I haven't missed one. I go back to the very first year, 1969. I actually go back further than that because I used to go to the opening games for the Pacific Coast League Padres.
1: Hey, I want to ask you. I think it was 1974. Ray Kroc, when he got on the microphone, you were in the broadcast booth that night, correct?
0: Yeah, Jerry Coleman and I were, were doing the game. And uh, uh, I'll never forget, Jerry said, uh, Hey, Bob, it uh, looks like our new owner, Ray Kroc, is going on the public address. Let's see if we can pick up what he has to say. <laughs> And what he had to say made history. If don't
1: know, go ahead and tell the fans.
0: <laughs> well, the, the Padres had opened the season in Los Angeles and got blown out three in a row by the Dodgers. So now they come home, and their first home game is against the Houston Astros, and they're getting blown out again. And so in in, in the middle of the game, not sure it was the fifth inning, seventh inning, whatever, Uh, John DeMott, who was the public address announcer, made the announcement that Ray Kroc would like to address the crowd. So Ray gets on the PA uh, microphone and he says, Well, fans, I suffer with you. (laughs) And I'll tell you why in a moment. The fans groan. He says, But I have good news and I have bad news. And the good news is we drew 37,000 people for our home opener, more than the Dodgers did for their home opener. And everybody cheered. Because in 1974, I mean, the Padres' best season attendance until 1974 was 611,000. So attendance was an issue. So everybody cheered. And then he said, and the bad news is, this is the stupidest ball playing I've ever seen. But you have to remember what had just happened. Padres were losing big to Houston. They load the bases with, uh, with one out, and our hitter pops up to first base in foul territory. And Croc said, I'm taking on nuts. Well, that's only the second out. We still have Nate Colbert coming up, except our runner at first base, Matty Alou, an 18-year veteran, got doubled off first base on a foul pop-up. He just had a brain cramp and forgot how many outs there were. So that is what just happened. But he said it was the stupidest ball play he'd ever seen. And then, now you can't make this stuff up, John. Just then, a streaker jumps out of the stands in right field and he's running across the field and ray has that microphone and he's he's a law and order guy he's screaming get that man get him off the field and this is how the padres began the home portion of the ray Kroc regime
1: and bob it's safe to say ray crock did save baseball here in san diego at the major league level
0: well he, he the team was in limbo you know it at uh and in January it looked like the Padres in 1974 were going to be operated by the National League because they didn't really have uh, an owner. I mean, C. Arnold Smith was the owner, but he he had many, many problems with the law and with, he presided over the largest bank failure in the history of the United States and illegal campaign contributions to President Richard Nixon and all, all kinds of stuff like that. So the team was in limbo. And then uh, Ray Kroc's attorney, uh, Don Lubin, he called Buzzy Bavese and said, You know, Mr. Bavese, I, I have a uh, a client who is interested in purchasing the club. And Buzzy said, Oh, yes, and, and who is your client? He said, Well, his name is Ray Kroc. Well, Ray is the owner of Mc- founder of the McDonald's restaurant chain, but Buzzy didn't know that. He didn't know who Ray Kroc was. And so he asked Lubin, he says, well, how does your client propose to pay for the team? And Lubin says, oh, he'll just write a check. (laughs) And that got Buzzy's attention. He quickly arranged a meeting between Smith and Ray Kroc, and they consummated the purchase of the team in about 10 minutes.
1: Uh, that's a great story. Uh, Bob Chandler joining us on the SDCCU uh, fan hotline as we get ready for Padre baseball. A pregame show with Chris Ello coming up at 12 o'clock. First pitch, 110 today. Left-hander Eric Lauer making his uh, the opening day start for the Padres going against the veteran left-hander Madison Bumgarner. Uh, Bob, uh, Eric Hosmer, a down year last year, maybe uh, coming in and trying to do a little bit too much, getting that big contract from the Padres. Your thoughts on what you've seen from Hosmer during spring training?
0: Well, he's really loose. He's always kind of a, a, a friendly, loose guy, and I I think you're right. I think coming in last year, I mean, he was the big off-season uh, purchase. Uh, he'd come in after helping Kansas City win a couple of World titles, and he, his defense was fine, but he he didn't hit up to his normal uh, uh, his normal numbers. I expect he will come back strong this year a lot was counted on him last season to provide offense he and will myers myers got hurt and missed a lot of the season and it was all on eric Hosmer. he didn't have any protection around him in the batting order and so his home run totals dropped to 17 and he didn't drive in as many runs as usual but he played most of the games and he's a heck of a guy i expect him to bounce back with a big season this year
1: he's a, a really a good guy and I think a good clubhouse guy and a guy that probably tried to do a little bit too much in too many different areas on the field off the field last year also wanted to get your thoughts on Ian Kinsler here's a guy that's been around he's He's uh, won a World Series last year after coming over from the Angels to the Red Sox. He won a gold glove last year, played in a couple of other World Series with the Texas Rangers, really had an incredible career. Uh, How important is it to have a veteran in the the clubhouse along with a guy like Hosmer that's been there and done that before?
0: Yeah, well, it's huge. Of course it's huge. It's because there are a lot of young players on this team, uh, uh, a lot of them, now, eventually, Luis Urias is going to take over at second base, and he's a youngster with a lot of ability. I guess he's going to start the season at, at AAA. Uh, but, but think about it. You've got three gold lovers in your infield. Machado at third, Hosmer at first, Kinsler at second, and the shortstop is Fernando Tatis Jr., one of the most talented young players in terms of tools I've ever seen. I don't know about you, John, but last year, I thought Freddy Galvez, the shortstop, was the team's most valuable player. He played every game. He made every play. Uh, just a really solid player. But then I, I look at Fernando Tatis, who's taken his place, and I'm thinking, you know, Tatis has a lot more range than Galvez did. He's got a much stronger arm. He runs faster than Galvis did. In fact, he's one of the fastest runners on the team, and he's a much better hitter with a lot more power. So you're getting a guy whose tools are all far superior to Freddie Galvis. Now, I think he'll probably make more errors than Galvis did. Galvis was a, a solid old pro, but he'll also make spectacular plays that we haven't seen at shortstop in a long time.
1: Bob, I agree with you on uh, everything uh, regarding the breakdown of Galvis compared to Tatis, and I also definitely agree with you. I thought he was the Padres' most valuable player last year, not only – on the field and what he brought daily at the shortstop position he came up with some big hits throughout the course of the year but he also did a really good job i think in that clubhouse uh mentoring a lot of the young uh, latin players which is very very important when these guys are you know kind of being exposed to the united states maybe for the very first time
0: yeah you know and, and he, he wanted to play every game he said hey i have i have a lot of time to rest in the offseason i want to play every game maybe a little bit to, to his detriment because i i don't care who you are uh, every now and then you need a, a day off and uh, uh, but he didn't take any he wanted to play uh, every game
1: hey bob i want to ask you about the loss of travis jankowski uh, for me and and you watch every game whether you're here or on television or listening on radio I think, in a lot of ways, this is a really uh, key uh, loss because this guy can help you win ball games in a variety of different ways
0: you know, and it may explain John why the Padres picked up uh, Brito yesterday from uh, from the arizona diamondbacks he uh, He can really run he's he's got terrific speed and he's a left handed batter uh, i I haven't seen him play enough to really know, but I know he has those tools uh Jankowski. Uh, probably is not an everyday player in the major leagues right now, but, boy, you can put him in at any of the outfield positions, and it it improves you defensively at those positions. He's their most aggressive base dealer. He's a very good base runner, uh, and the kind of guy that that does help you win games over the course of the season. I fully agree with you on that. Uh, Hopefully he'll be back uh, around midseason.
1: You know, I think one of the keys for this Padre ball club, is Will Myers, number one, has got to stay healthy. But number two, he has to kind of live up to, uh, I guess live up to what people think he can be, because last year he could never really find his stroke.
0: You know, and maybe, uh, maybe the Padres asked him to be something he wasn't. You know, when they acquired him, they wanted him to be the face of the franchise, to be a leader. Uh, Will Myers is a fun guy, and he's got... Loads of talent, but I'm not sure that he's that natural leader type you know you can't sometimes you can't just anoint a guy a leader and expect him to be that you know he uh but what he is is a really good player, and he can steal bases he can hit for power uh he can play a lot of positions. Uh, third base is not one of them that's very good, <laughs> but he's, he's a, a decent outfielder. They'd like him to improve his defense in center field, so maybe against certain left-handed pitchers you could play both Hunter Renfro and uh, 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 Francisco Mejia, uh, excuse me, Fran Mil Reyes uh, in the outfield. Boy, that would be, that would be a power-laden outfield.
1: Yeah, today they're going to go with Myers, Margot, and and Reyes. Reyes will play right field, Myers over and left, and, of course, uh, Margot going to play center. Bob, what's realistic uh, record-wise, you think, for this ball club? I mean, the enthusiasm right now with all these young guys and the signing to Manny Machado, people are so fired up, and they're so fired up down here leading up to this ball game today. What would be, in your eyes, a guy that's been there, done that for a long time, what would be a realistic goal for this ball club this year?
0: Well, in my opinion, the the starting eight that they put on the field is is good enough to compete with anybody, and they have some pretty good reserves. But let's face it, the pitching right now is too young and inexperienced at the major league level to really make a run at the pennant. Not to say that those guys don't have the talent to do it, they just don't have the experience yet. And it's going to be fun to watch them develop, how fast they develop, and who they come up with as their number five starter because I think the bullpen is good, uh, will determine how well how well they do in terms of wins and losses. Uh, I would rate them, by opinion, third in the division right now, behind the Dodgers and the Colorado Rockies. Uh, I think if, they, if they're if they a 500 team this year, think about it, that would be an improvement of 15 wins over last year. But more important than that final one-loss record, and of course that is the, the goal, they're going to try to win every game, uh, is to watch the development of this team overall because you're watching a team, as, as Manny Machado put it in the paper this morning, is, quote, this team is going to be good for a very long time, and this is just the start of it. Yeah,
1: that's what we like to hear. Bob, uh, as always, thanks so much for the time. I can't wait to share a hot dog with you in the press box one of these nights.
0: Listen, one of my joys in life is talking baseball with you, John, because you're really into it. And uh, for me, what the heck, it's been my whole life uh, professionally in San Diego, and I I love the game.
1: I appreciate that, Bob. See you soon. Okay, buddy. There you go, Bob Chandler, uh, one of the great voices in the history of San Diego Padres baseball, joining us on 97.3, the fans, SDCCU uh, fan hotline.